This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome back to the TTC Life Raft. It's episode eight and this is the podcast empowering you through infertility or loss. My name is Alice Rose and it's an absolute pleasure to have you with me and today I've got the fabulous Dr Larissa Corder who is a women's health specialist and she's always on your telly box Lorraine this morning sharing her vast knowledge about all things fertility related, IVF related but also a 360 holistic approach to health, fertility, life in general. So I won't do a big introduction because there's a lovely long and juicy chat that you can get your teeth into just coming up right now. So enjoy and I'll see you on the other end. So here we are, we're in Larissa's lovely cosy flat. Yeah, we are. It's it's really nice to have you here, actually. It's Thank so you for coming. Nice, so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank my you pleasure. My, my delicious butternut squash lasagna. We have we carried on the butternut squash theme because that's what I had at your house. Oh before. yeah, yeah. Well, so that I, seems to be our thing. It is our thing. So I thought I'd reciprocate. So Larissa and I have recently become friends. Yeah. Having met at an event and yeah. discovered that we live in the same postcode in London. That's insane, is, isn't it? Literally down the road. Oh, it's just amazing. It's not only a friend, a friend who is as into fertility stuff as I am. <laughs> I'm just like totally fascinated when you start launching into a chat about doing an egg collection or an embryo yeah. transfer. And, and to me, obviously, mm-hmm. having been the one that's just gone through that and you're coming from completely the other side I just think that's it's just so fascinating to kind of chat to you and like talk to me about what it's like for you on that side to go into that room yeah I don't think you ever lose sense of the fact that it's an enormous privilege to do what I do and that it's this incredible field that I mean really we're dealing with things which are the beginning of life and what could be more fascinating than that So it is super cool. It is super interesting. I can't even imagine any other area comparing to that. But, you know, the thing is that you also try and make it fun for people because it's it's a stressful experience and people go into it not understanding what to expect, not understanding necessarily what they're getting into. I mean, I think most people are aware it will be stressful but nothing can really truly prepare you for that and I think the the one opportunity you have as a doctor or as a nurse or anyone within that sort of profession is that you have this real opportunity to to have this impact and to turn that experience into something really positive for that patient Mm. so I think for me you know we we were laughing about this earlier but I I embarrassingly admitted to Alice that I actually sing while I'm in (laughs) theatre quality soundtrack as well do you want to share your (laughs) favourite nothing but the best Alice so um, I have a slight obsession with S Club 7 which I think anyone who knows me knows I mean literally this is all over the shop I I think any time we've had any events we've had any major gatherings I will literally get up and sing S Club 7 and you know the, (laughs) the thing is I know all of the words to all of their songs, I have dance moves. I've actually taught my entire nursing staff how to do the dance moves to this. So whenever I am in theatre, I, I have, I mean, you know, surgeons generally have um, funny little fads and, and stuff that they do. And my particular one is I, I like a bit of S Club 7 in while I'm in theatre. And um, I think, you know, as much as that sounds really silly and obviously we're having a laugh about it but it's it is actually so important to put that patient at ease and to make it into a positive experience because they've probably you know who knows what journey they've been up to up to that point and yeah you have no idea like what they've what they've been through to get to that point so actually I love that you sing it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for appreciating my my talents, my hidden talents. 
<laughs> I do. On a serious note, I really do feel that actually it's a small part of what we do and it feels like a small contribution. But actually in itself, the number of times that people and patients have come back and, and said how much that's meant to them mm. and that their whole experience was made so much better because of the the attitudes that they had from the staff and and the nurturing atmosphere and, and the fact that they were made to feel really really cared and looked after I think you know that that vibe translates into your care even mm. into doing all of the practical stuff around it and you know I very much believe in in terms of all that I do not within just my medical practice but just generally life into really nurturing a mindset that's all about wanting to to give the best of yourself to someone and to to invest something positive in, into something I think I also always realize never take for granted is the stories that people tell you mm. and the stories that they come to you with are things that they may never ever have shared with anyone else and that's an incredible responsibility an enormous privilege but what's also nice is you can also really have a laugh about some stuff, you know. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's nothing. I mean, how many times does anyone else ask people how often they have sex or what positions they use? I'm not sure that anyone really does <laughs> other than this job and um, perhaps a few others. And it's so strange how every time, you know, you do ask that question about how often people have sex, the answer from the woman is so different compared to the man. <laughs> And that in itself is just so telling. And, you know, it's there's all sorts of funny stories as well that, that people will recount to you. And I think it just softens the mood, softens the atmosphere and suddenly makes them realise that, you know, they're, they're very human mm. and we're all very human um, and vulnerable. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter who you are. And this is the great part of being a medic that, you know, you could be the president of the United States or you could be, you know, Joe Bloggs from down the street. But yet you're all suffering from the same condition, um, you know, the same issues, the same problems, and you treat everyone the same. Mm. And that's what's so wonderful about it. it. It really makes you appreciate and value people for, for who they are rather than anything else. The first time I did OBS and gynae, obstetrics and gynecology, so women's health, I was really, really fascinated by it. And I think I, growing up, and having come from former Yugoslavia, where obviously a, a, a big war took place, and, and women in particular went through a, a horrific time in terms of how they were treated. And most of us will recall images on TV in terms of so much that went on, including rape camps and including atrocities that were committed. And that really only now people are speaking about because they, you know, it, it's something that, you know, to this day, a lot of people can't discuss. But Yet growing up as a, as a child and, and seeing the effects that that was leaving behind on people and especially how women were suffering, I think had a very, very big impact on me. And in addition to that, I was raised by incredibly strong, amazing, amazing women. And so that really inspired me, I guess, to really value and respect women and to want to commit to them. So when I was 16, um, I read a book by Dr. Christian Northrup, who is quite a famous doctor over in the States. And this book completely transformed how I really viewed things because she was talking about something that was so new age at that time. She was talking about so many spiritual elements to being a woman and how she had personally cured disease through using these elements, through using psychotherapy, through using things that weren't necessarily drugs and the conventional Western medicine that we were taught. And that absolutely blew my mind and it fascinated me. Um, and it made me realise how, um, what, what sort of person I was and, you know, that spiritual element to, to me as well as a person. And, you know, um, learning about all of that was absolutely fascinating to me. So when I actually became a medical student and started studying, it was just an area I was particularly drawn to. Now, remember, you know, this is going back quite some time ago. Now, a lot of this practice, um, holistic practice, as we call it, mm -hmm. has become quite commonplace and it's gaining real momentum. But back then, you know, it, it was she was really sort of... Um, frowned down upon by so many men in particular and and people who considered themselves professors in the field and were questioning you know uh, theories such as this and it was very very hard to stand up for that and to actually make a case for the fact that holistic healthcare was important and is important especially in women's health 
So I really, really admire and still to this day very much respect and follow her for what she did. Um, so when I did my first stint in obstetrics and gynecology, I, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think I knew I loved it when I would be coming back home every night at, you know, close to midnight, all my friends would be out and I would come home and I would want to do it all over again. And I'd switch on Grey's Anatomy and I'd watch that and then I'd go back into work and I'd do more and I just kept raving about what I'd seen and how cool it was. And I think I knew then that there was something amazing going on here that I was seeing and that was really, really influencing me. And then I got asked to write a chapter for a book by a registrar of mine and we named it Biopanic. And it was all about this concept of older age motherhood. So again, this came back several years ago um, before a lot of, I guess, IVF had taken off so much. And it was all about, you know, my job, my duty was to go and, and, and research that and understand what it was that was, um, you know, driving women to be older age mums and what was making them deferred childbearing and one of the the things that I had to do was I had to go and interview a patient who had really had so many complications in order to have her child and not not just to become pregnant but in order to give birth and she spent the the majority of her pregnancy in hospital having all sorts of different health issues and problems and she eventually gave birth to a beautiful baby boy and all was well and I remember going to interview her and I remember asking her the question if you knew all of this back then would you still do this would you put your life at risk to have your child because essentially that is exactly what she did I mean she almost died I'll never forget she looked me in the eye and she said yes 100% yes I would do it all over again and I just remember that struck a real chord with me and there was something so empowering and so strong about how she just looked at me and said that and I wrote an essay about this later in it and it's included in the chapter there's there's something so powerful about that innate desire mm. to want to have a child and I'm not saying it necessarily exists in everyone but I think in the majority of women and because when you ask most people what the meaning of life is and what they want to do and achieve the majority of people will say to you to procreate mm. you know to leave behind a legacy of something and i just again to this day find that incredibly fascinating what is it that drives us to do that as human beings so that was really the catalyst all of these different series of events in terms of why i, I really sort of wanted to go into women's healthcare in particular that started off with my childhood but you know in particular this sequence of events with writing that chapter doing this research interviewing that woman who came across my path I think it just really really made me realize that there's something so powerful about this and the fact that women really really want this and I guess I saw the the future really being about older age motherhood in in particular because things are only getting harder and harder for women mm. you know in terms of balancing and having it all this this concept that we have to have it all and thank goodness we've had recent role models come out and say actually it is practically impossible to have it all but yet we're still there's still this enormous pressure for us to be able to to appease that in a way and to to step up to that and in some ways makes our situation quite impossible you know mm. to, to literally have the career have the partner have the marriage have the child have the house all at this particular designated time and and things are changing you know by socially everything is changing for women but yet biologically mm. nothing much has that is yeah completely fascinating point because you're absolutely spot on that I think a lot of women and and men um obviously who are dealing with this are stuck in this cycle of mm. overwhelm as well because yeah. you just you're just going how is this possible mm. and it, the thing is if it does work out and you do have your children and you've got the job and you've got the marriage and you, you know mm. all that kind of really traditional mm. conventional mm. life that we're kind of programmed to say that we're supposed mm -hmm. to go and have yeah that's hard enough but then Completely. what happens when things yeah. don't go to plan what yeah. happens if you get to whatever age and you don't have a partner yeah. or you are with a partner but you can't get mm. pregnant or mm. you keep miscarrying you know mm. and suddenly you're supposed to juggle all of that mm. 
still with the career and <laughs> I know it's impossible it's so so hard and how much of life does ever go according to plan for the majority of us exactly really so it... then so then what do we do like yeah. how do we cope with this this mm. is what I'm really interested yeah. in I'm really yeah. fascinated with finding although yes there are so many pressures on us mm. I believe that there are ways out of mm. that feeling and that there mm. are ways to connect to a calmer and mm. more positive mm. energy so mm. we were talking earlier about your job so yeah. you have a really high pressure fascinating job <laughs> obviously we've just spoken about it then as well but your yeah. you know the ins and outs of your mm. shift work and what do you do to to balance that what's your route out of the of that pressure of on modern life yeah, I, I think I, I completely agree that actually it's so important to have something to come back to, uh, to have some sort of escape, something that helps you stay centred and, and balanced and not go insane <laughs> in amongst all of that, whether it's facing a high pressure job, whether it's facing um, subfertility, whether it's, you know, facing any adversities in life and I think that, that there are so many different features to this and, um, you know, we'll, we'll go on to those in a second, but I think the, the probably the most important one and this is the advice I also give to my patients um, is to appreciate the present moment and to appreciate where you're at at this particular moment in time because I think so much of the time we we're looking towards something that we don't have that's missing in our lives and presuming that the minute we have that things will suddenly get better and and suddenly we'll be happy and this huge transformation will take place and all our woes and troubles will forever be gone but the reality really is that that's hardly ever the case and you know even if you take you know subfertility i was at, at an exhibition where we were discussing the body works um which, which by the way everyone should go and see it is absolutely incredible and fascinating but they um were showing the the results of a research study that had been done to measure happiness levels in people before they had children and after they had children and guess where the happiness levels were actually greater? Before. Before. Exactly right. And I was almost baffled by looking at this. But that's exactly it. And, and the reason we postulate that that is, is because, you know, we, when you're in that situation, not being able to have a child, of course, you're, you're constantly looking at, at what you're missing and what you're not having. I think that what people sometimes forget to do, and all of us forget to do, is appreciate what we have in the present moment and where we're at and what the freedoms that we have and what we can enjoy and what we get to have in life and I always always I mean this is something I apply to my own life but I always also say to my patients to appreciate all of the wonderful stuff that is actually going on for them and that actually they may have lost track of really and taken for granted to some extent not intentionally but because the main focus has been on, on what they don't have and I think the minute you stop and appreciate that is the minute that your mindset actually starts to transform and you start to view your situation differently. And I think that is so, so important because for every hurdle, for every adversity that you face, for every crappy upset or shift that you have or whatever it might be, I think you've got to put yourself in that situation where, where you all, and this takes enormous courage actually as well and effort to sort of reflect on it in a different way and to go and appreciate, well, I am doing my best. I am where I am. I've I've, I've done what I could and now I, I have to leave the rest and I have to almost surrender some of that control, you know, whether it's a, it's a greater presence, a greater power, whether it's the professionals, whether it's the clinic, whatever it might be, and almost remove that stress factor out of it and need to want to control it because it is impossible to do that I think you know you use a really good word there which is surrender mm. and I definitely remember feeling like I was trying to control everything mm. and it got so overwhelming and so stressful mm. because I was literally trying to control my diet I was trying yeah. to control the NHS yeah <laughs> yeah it's just very normal you know all of that and actually the minute that I did mm. work out a way mm. to surrender mm. and to let go of that control mm. was absolutely transformative yeah I'm so glad you say that because there, there is so much power in that to view your situation differently and, and you know people say 
that a miracle is a change in, in perception. It is a change in how you see that situation. And it, and it could be something you've been seeing a thousand times over. But actually, it will keep recurring that way unless you actually take that step back and, and look at it differently. I, I also always say to my patients that for, for a lot of people, they may not necessarily get to see any of the cool stuff behind this. You know, one of the great things about going through this treatment is actually you get to have the scans yeah. and you get to see how your body responds to hormones and what it's capable of producing and how amazing it is, you know, in essence. Totally. And, I, I actually remember saying that I, yeah. I, when, when we went through everything and um, we're probably going to be going through it again. But yeah, I actually remember going... I actually love this mm. part of it. I mean, okay, mm. perhaps love... <laughs> <laughs> Too strong a word. <laughs> perhaps love is a strong word. But I was able to see a benefit. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know whether this is going to be controversial and people are going to be like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I would, you know, give anything not to have to go through this. And yeah. as much as I... I obviously, that. I would love to yeah. have been able to conceive yes. naturally as well. Yes. But I also thought, well... Yeah, but I can't, so this mm. is what's happening. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I'm going to try and look at what is good about mm. it. And you're so right. Like, that was, to me, completely fascinating. Mm. You know, mm. I mean, yes, it gets a bit much when you're going in and it, again and again and again after yeah. so many failed cycles. Of course, that's hard. But there are there is this incredible thing that you don't, you know, and with our IVF cycle that did work, I felt so emotional that mm. I'd been able to see my daughter who mm -hmm. is now nearly two mm -hmm. as an embryo and mm. I treasure that photo yeah. and I think I'm so lucky oh and yeah it's so special that I've got that it is it's absolutely incredible mm. and and you know just the very act of forming her embryo and how that came to be is is absolutely fascinating and and just beautiful and I'm again I'm really pleased you're saying that because Yes, I, I think that, you know, the whole situation is, is incredibly tough. And, you know, what I'm saying in no way detracts from that. But what I guess I'm trying to say is that there are ways of dealing with a situation that may be helpful. And that is to try and view it slightly differently. So instead of focusing on the shortcomings of a situation and the inadequacies and, and all of the, the, the bad stuff that's going on with it, trying to stay focused on the positive. And a lot of patients actually even feedback to me and, and talk to me, and I think you'd mentioned as well, the power of visualization, mm. of seeing something as an end goal and being determined enough to get there, um, being positive enough to get there. And I don't mean positive, by the way, in a phony way. Totally. I don't mean that yes. in that because there's Absolutely a big difference. To yes. Recognize that. Yeah. That between sort of, you know, pretending it's all okay mm. and, and putting on a brave face because we've all had to do that and it doesn't feel very real. I mean, that you, you, you don't get that same gut reaction, do you? Um, it feels like a forced smile. But what I'm talking about is where you transform the, the power of your mind to such an extent that actually it, it you know that positivity starts to emanate from you that no matter what happens you know you will be okay 100%. that's you thing. literally you know you take <laughs> the words out of my mouth because yeah. these are words that I try to say to yeah. you know and if I could go back to my younger self just as we were going into all of this that is what I would say mm. you you yeah you're gonna have a a, a difficult time mm. but you are you are gonna be okay you're gonna be okay in mm. the end because you will become incredibly strong during the whole process and there will be so many people behind you and, and loving and supporting you um and that ultimately you will have built something so big and deep and powerful within yourself that you will be okay whatever that outcome is whatever your avenue to motherhood is you will be okay and there's this power in knowing that and understanding that and truly believing it that you will be okay totally i just love so, that and that's very much something that i try to get yeah. people to cultivate yes, within themselves and like yeah, that building that power yeah. and, and you're so right by and by um also acknowledging understanding that that power is there as yes. well it's deep within you and i think as women in particular we are so much more powerful than we think we are so mm. much more stronger than we think and it's only sometimes when we face these really difficult situations that we realize actually how strong we are 
and I think there's real beauty in that. It, it, it again is one of the things that really fascinates me, and it's the thing that always, always brings a smile to my face when I see how incredible the, the men and women are when facing this. It's, it's amazing. I guess the second tip that I would give in terms of how to manage stress, which is opening up to people and, and dealing with stress and adversity by talking to, whether it's your friends, whether it's your relatives, whether it's a counsellor, but someone who's there going through this journey with you because they think there's nothing worse than having to face something alone mm. and feeling completely alone and isolated and it's very easy to do that when you're facing subfertility and when you're facing all of these challenges mm. and there are many no matter who it is that, that that's on this path with you obviously someone that you trust it's just just so important to talk and to wail and to express anger and to cry and to to laugh, all of these things, all of these emotions, to, to not feel ashamed of them and to have someone validate them for you and go, you know what, actually, it's perfectly normal that mm. you're, you're acting like this. Yeah. And we were saying earlier, you know, we're big talkers. You know, one of the big ways we deal with, with things in our lives is we talk and we open up to people and goodness knows I've, I've definitely done that. And I, I don't know, you know, the only way sometimes to keep on the straight and narrow is is to talk to someone. Um, so... You know, I would I, I would definitely encourage people to spend time in good company and with people who will bring positivity into their lives. Mm. You know, don't be dragged down because there are also I'm sad to say that there are also people who who will drag you down and mm. who will have a negative attitude, who will judge you and what you're doing and where you're at in life. And actually, that judgment isn't for anyone to make. You don't abide by anyone's laws or rules because actually, guess what? There are no rules. There are no laws. Who says you have to do something in life at this particular point or have something in life at a certain point in time? I mean, there, there is no rule. Yeah. People have made that up. <laughs> it's it a lie. Exist. It is a lie. It's all a big fallacy. It's all a big lie. Totally. There are no rules apart from the ones that you make mm. up. And, and that I think realising yeah. that is so freeing and mm. so... So refreshing to yeah. be like, oh, I can just do this when well, I want to do. I mean, the thing is, I, I've never lived my life by, by these rules. And, and I think, you know, if you're the sort of person that I am, if someone tells you you can't do something, you want to do it even more, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, you know, just not being restricted by those fears that are actually, you know, full, they're, they're fallacies. They don't exist. Mm. They're not actually real. And, you know, uh, understanding that you're on your own personal journey and your own personal path. And that there will be people there who will support you just as much as there may be people who also drag you down. But also recognising that, excluding all of the negative stuff and focusing on the people who, who bring you joy and love and who, you know, you can be yourself with. You can be completely in a shade to be totally vulnerable mm. in front of mm. um, and, and who will love you and respect you for who you are. It's so, so sad that there are these feelings of shame to this day that are associated with it, of the stigma mm. that's still associated with it. And I I do understand that, that the fear that people face, you know, they fear that by opening up to someone, they will be judged or that that person won't understand. Yeah. But I would say I do definitely think that culture is shifting. I've noticed that the people who dare to be the most vulnerable are actually the ones that are you know, receiving the, the, the biggest amount of support and that are really reaping and benefiting from that because all of a sudden people have come out and gone, oh my gosh, mm. you know, I've had exactly the same thing happen to me. Mm. And being vulnerable can actually make you stronger oh, because yeah. taking that leap of faith and daring to be who you are with flaws and all is because we are all flawed, by the way. There is no such thing as perfection. And you know, daring to put yourself in that situation where potentially someone may judge you, I think actually opens up this whole new world of where people suddenly go, oh my gosh, you know, I've had exactly the same experience or yes, I thought I was going mad too or, you know, I, I was having exactly these same fears and, and so on and, and suddenly that bonds you. 
And that, there's a really nice quote, which is, um, vulnerability is the cornerstone of yeah. confidence. Yes, and it is. And it's exactly that. Yeah. And I, people are so scared to be vulnerable. And we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're told not to be weak. And people think that being vulnerable is being weak. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. think it's the opposite. I think we're culturally conditioned to think like that, aren't we? Mm. That, you know, um, it's, I mean, especially in our sort of British society, it's a strong, um, you know, stiff, upper lip isn't it that is changing now but again also you know having almost this this very strong facade that you present to the world and that you know it's all fine it's all fine yeah. <laughs> how many times do you hear that it's all fine yeah. and actually it's not and you're crumbling on the inside yeah. and I just think and thank goodness this is changing it's okay to admit that and it's okay to say that your world feels like it's falling apart and you know that you feel you're falling apart or going insane and and you know, I don't think there's a single human being, whatever that the reason may have been, that hasn't felt like that at one point or another in their life. So I think just being open about that and, and bringing it to the table and, you know, owning who you are and what you are and being proud of that is really, really important. And, and seeing how other people relate to it. We bond over... I mean, you know, at times of adversity is a need, yes, right? exactly. Right. And I think it's re- what's really nice for me is that, you know, <laughs> I think it is easy to forget that your fertility doctor is human. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah we've got a lot of flaws too. <laughs> but it's really, you know, we're all kind of in this together, really. Yeah, and actually yeah. it's really... We are. You know, it's, it's really amazing to kind of have these conversations because I, I think, you know, a few years ago when podcasts didn't exist and when social media didn't exist these kind of conversations yeah. these really relaxed conversations over a glass of wine mm. between you know a previous patient and the doctor mm. just probably wouldn't have been mm. shared and yeah. or heard yeah. and so there's always been this patient doctor dynamic which mm. is quite can be quite tricky and it can yeah. make patients feel like they can't ask for what they want or they you know they just have to do what that the doctor's mm. saying because because they're the medical professional and actually it's much more important to have this fluid yeah. conversation um yeah completely and you know this is what your campaign's about alice isn't it it's about changing um you know the, the language and the vocabulary that we use and a lot of the the vocabulary that currently exists draws this distinction between the doctor and the patient because quite often because the language is so medicalized there's there's almost this dissociation from the emotional part of it and the effect that it has on someone like the patient and some of that I guess is is deliberate to you know almost help the medical professionals do the job that they need to do but on the other hand it's, it's leaving you know permanent marks on on people and you know who are internalizing these words and you know identifying themselves with them and and that's completely wrong and I think part of trying to break down this barrier between the doctor and the patient is also changing some of that vocabulary and making it more emotionally sensitive because you know there's no doubt about it you know the classic thing you get taught as as you go through training is don't get emotionally involved Mm -hmm. with uh, with you know the patients that you're seeing and and of course yes there there's an, an element of that but you can't help but get emotionally involved with especially something like fertility where you completely understand how much it means to people Mm. and you're seeing all the raw emotion pour out in in that consulting room and again you know I, I go back to that fact that the enormous privilege and part of my job is that you know I get to see along with my other colleagues things that people would would never normally see you know, sometimes people haven't even opened up about this this stuff to themselves, let alone anyone else. And you see this very, very real raw emotion that comes out. And you can't help but want the absolute best for that person. And, you know, when they have their downs, you have your downs with them when they have their ups. You know, it's incredible. Like mm-hmm. today, you know, I had um, a patient who got pregnant through a treatment and oh. it was just the most incredible feeling. And it really makes your day. I can't even put into words how that feels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an incredible bond. There, there are definitely things as medics that, that we see that, that move us, that are things that a lot of people won't necessarily see. But you really are at that cold face of, of life and death mm-hmm. a lot of the time and seeing that unfold and you can't help but 
actually develop emotions around that mm. and and that's uh, obviously you know you maintain your professionalism at all completely. times but you know there's yeah. no there's no need to be a robot well <laughs> yes and that's the thing that, that the two can coexist you can mm. absolutely be a professional but also care very much mm. about outcomes and how your patients are feeling and i don't think you i absolutely disagree that you need to dissociate the two i don't think that's the case mm. and um, it's going back really to that holistic approach isn't it yeah you know and understanding that you're treating a human being and not yeah. just the parts yes <laughs> not not just really the physical parts but mm. there's all the emotional elements to mm. it as well and mm. and sometimes those can be even more important you know i I remember working in geriatrics, which is older age medicine and, you know, complete opposite end of the spectrum of what (laughs) I've ended up in. But I absolutely, it taught me one very important thing. And that was that at the outset, being a very junior doctor going in, you're very gung-ho. You think you want to save everyone from everything. Mm. And actually, one of the things this taught me was that some of these patients just didn't want to be saved anymore. And they were ready to face death they were ready Mm. to to not have any further intervention and that was a really i mean it's a tough thing to learn as a young medic um, because your your whole mentality is completely different to that and you don't quite understand it but i came to realize that for these people you know a, a a gentle word a hug spending time talking to them about wartime stories Mm. and what they've been through meant more to them than actually doing open heart surgery you know and and giving them a few extra years of life Mm. and and that for me was a really really powerful lesson in in how much empathy and how much caring about the emotional aspect of the patient means to people Mm. you know um and it was very very pronounced in that particular part of medicine but i think it's also very pronounced in fertility too which is so profoundly emotional um that you can't help but you know deal with emotions and you have to almost get very good at at, at doing that um but not and I, I disagree anyone should ever get good to the point of where they almost ignore that um or don't take it into account and, and develop you know a, a facade i i think that as I, as I say that that is changing mm. and I think that the patient doctor relationship is changing as a result for the better mm. you know and by also involving when the patient sees that you're involved and invested in, in their care you know they're much more likely to also want to follow instruction and and when you can lead by example yes. authentic example yeah I think again it's the same thing if you form a relationship with your patient mm. your doctor if you're the patient and you trust them and mm. I, I I always say to people you you need to really mm. trust who's mm. taking care of you because that's a really important yeah. part of it and you know I do remember one cycle where I was it was an NHS cycle and you know I was told to give one one dosage of whatever I was taking at that point (laughs) (laughs) and I quest I was questioning it and it was the nurse giving me the the dose over the phone yeah and um and I was questioning it because the previous cycle had had to be abandoned because it had Mm. overstimulated me and Mm. and she just was like well this is what I've been told to tell you so Mm. and I was going well can I can I speak Mm. to the consultant can I speak Mm. to somebody because I really I really don't know what to do Mm. about this kind of thing and there was this whole battle about it and actually I I, I, as much as I totally understand that you know we've moved Mm. on to a different subject here really but Mm. that the NHS have got their boundaries that that doctor patient relationship is actually crucial Mm. to somebody at that point and to to have that trust Mm. where you are about to inject hormones into you Mm to try and make a person mm. and if you have any doubts or any questions over that you need to be confident and empowered enough to be mm. able to ask mm. and at least have an explanation as to why you've mm. been told to do that dose and you know there should be lines of communication that are available to people who yeah i think sometimes all people need is, is a bit of reassurance right over what what they're doing and how they're doing it and sometimes it's, it's very simple measures but, you know, we, we can easily forget them and their mm. value and, and how much And that's mean. the thing. It probably, you know, if, if someone had just come on the phone to me at that point and gone, I completely understand. Or if, mm. even if the nurse had actually just said to me, I completely understand. This must be really difficult for you. Um, all I can say, you know, just some way of communicating that 
that was what I needed to do. But anyway, we're getting on to another topic, really. Yeah, but, yeah. No, it's, yeah. I, it's I, I totally get what you're saying. That yeah. trust thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to talk to you about your nature post that you did. Yes, yes, so, yeah, yes. Yeah, I love that, that picture. So, yeah. yeah, Larissa posted this lovely picture of her. <laughs> just looking <laughs> gorgeous as always. A bit, a bit more glamorous than, than right now. <laughs> in my big glasses. <laughs> my hair's going back. A couple of raisin. Anyway, Larissa looking very glamorous, very beautiful in the woods, I think, yeah. or in the park. In the forest. Um, in the forest. <laughs> in the depths in the of the forest. forest. I like to spend my time in there. <laughs> <laughs> At the weekend, just saying how much you love getting into nature. And yeah. tell me about that. Tell me yeah, why Yeah, yeah. So that. this was the other, before we, we sort of veered off. I mean, I, I love how our conversation goes. <laughs> this is what we do all the time. We said we were going to have a 20 minute conversation. I know, I know. It's been probably close to an hour now. <laughs> so this is the other really important thing that I do to 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 try and, and de-stress and again I, I'd really recommend to anyone I, I just love the outdoors I mean I, I love nature generally I'm such an outdoorsy person and, and though I live in a big city like London I, I do pine you know I'm, I'm a Yorkshire girl I grew up in Yorkshire and um, you know there's something about those rolling hills nature is absolutely amazing there's something about I, I, I love autumn I mean everyone loves summer yes great we we all go swimming and it's wonderful and hot days but there's something really really special about autumn because I think just seeing the change in season and seeing all these beautiful colors out in nature it it just makes you want to go outside and especially when it's sunny and I make a point of doing that every time I get any time off and I and I used to do this work wherever I've lived I would go and drive to uh as remote a place as I could (laughs) or you know wherever I could and I particularly love being you know surrounded by trees and a forest and just going for a walk going for a stroll and just completely tuning myself out Um, and I think that's so important for a couple of reasons one is that it's been shown to have a benefit in terms of reducing the amount of stress hormone cortisol in your body so you naturally start to feel more relaxed and more at ease um, but in addition to that, lots of studies have been done. This is what I posted about in terms of the benefits of being outdoors to your immunity. So in terms of being able to fight an infection, in terms of reducing inflammation. So there's a lot of conditions and especially in subfertility, so things like endometriosis, which are based around inflammation, mm. where that can potentially also help. Um, and you know, just improve in terms of improving your blood circulation, improving your vitamin D levels, improving your ability to focus and to concentrate and your mental clarity. I mean, the list goes on and on. And yeah, but but just the very act of being outside of inhaling deeply of stopping to notice nature, and how amazing nature actually is, Mm. you know, that everything is set in this sort of it, it just goes about its own business in this really calm rhythmical way i mean you never see nature stressing do you <laughs> <laughs> and it's really. such a lovely way to connect back to yes person, you know if yes. you're struggling Going with back to your our anxiety you're str- exactly so i find it yeah so helpful it's to... really calming and if you've mm. got a pet if you've got a dog as i used to have now sadly my adopted dog is in a different country but you know, I, there's nothing nicer than taking your pet for a walk and, mm. and bonding with, with your pet during that time or bonding with your loved one, going with a partner, mm. you know, and just spending that quality time together. Or friends, you know, I just love going for a yeah. walk with a friend. It's such a yeah. nice way of spending time yeah. together. Like, yeah. especially if you're going through a fertility thing and you're not drinking, Yes, actually, it's a really nice way of going, do you want to go for a walk instead yeah. of, do you want to go to and, the pub? And that's <laughs> the thing. And it starts with so many conversations then as well, you start chatting mm. then you start doing fun things i mean i remember going with a friend and you know <laughs> suddenly we found this tarzan rope and trying to swing off it you know <laughs> i'm not recommending you do that people by the way <laughs> but especially if you're trying to get pregnant um, <laughs> but you know it's fun it can be really really fun and spontaneous mm. and, and I, you make memories that you remember you, you know? do you do and just seeing all of the colors as, as i keep mentioning there's, there's something really calming you know mm. there's a reason why a lot of people use the color green as well and bring it indoors too it's because it's a really really calming and tranquil color yeah and um, i think there's something about connecting with the seasons as well which yeah. is really um just really lovely and makes yeah. you feel you know you you i i do have a little little morning period for the summer because yeah. <laughs> i do yeah. love the summer yeah, but, yeah yeah you know it's that embrace it's embracing a new season and yeah. it's embracing 
autumn and all the benefits of autumn oh completely yeah Yeah. and the lead up to christmas and you know getting to wear our big cozy jumpers (laughs) and then getting in front of a log fire and you know big big socks on and spending time reading and being cozy at home and it is about you know nurturing all of these really important elements within your spending time with yourself and with your loved ones that's what the emphasis Mm. is on Mm. and I think it sort of again brings it back towards centering and brings it back towards you know who who am I what do I like to do how do I like to do it and and also valuing that time you get to spend doing that and not feeling guilty about it running a nice hot bath you know that's I think that's quite an autumnal thing to do yeah Um, and you know all of it just ties in it's about self-nurture and self-care which is really really important absolutely um just on the hot bath front now Mm. just from from just to dive into a medical point of view what um just remind me, when are you allowed to have a hot bath? Okay, so generally fine, apart from we say in the two week wait, yes, what you that's don't right. what you don't really want to be doing is is having any big changes of temperature within that time period now obviously it's very difficult to prove this in any study, and you know there's there's no sort of exact temperature that you should be trying to avoid, but we generally say avoiding anything that's too hot, so yes, that is a, a hot bath. Um, any hot water bottles even laptops on your tummy or mobile Mm. phones you know they can all transmit heat Mm. Um, in terms of exercise it's a similar thing you know I will always say to patients especially if you are an exerciser it's very important to continue doing exercise if for nothing else but to keep you just mentally sane Um, however um, you know you, you don't want to be doing anything too overexertional and raising your body temperature for too long and sustained a period of time because again we don't quite understand the side effects to it but yeah it's uh, the two-week wait you know what it's, it's this magical thing that a lot of people ask me questions about in fact I will make a video on it because I think that it's a really really important thing to, to cover for people because you know there, there's there's so many myths as well surrounding it yeah, too just the clarity around yes. it is really helpful yeah definitely yeah um but yeah no cozy cozy autumn time yeah i yeah i'm, I'm we love it i'm with you there yeah cozy yeah. cozy find yourself a nice forest as well yeah <laughs> a, a lovely walk. forest go I for know. a nice walk go for a nice walk I and mean, you know <laughs> if it is your local park or whatever yeah. it's just you know a couple of minutes a day spent mm. out in the sun has been shown Research has shown to have a benefit to your mental welfare and, um, and you know, also in, in terms of just getting some exercise because that's the other important thing is, is the exercise element. So mm. I know this is a bit of a toughie for people um, in that, you know, we, we're all aware that we should be exercise at least a couple of times a week and remaining fit. And the thing is, you know, it's, it's complicated for all sorts of reasons. I mean, first of all, so many of us are so busy now you know, where, where do you find the time to do it? And then second of all, you know, if you are struggling to exercise because you, you know, you're overweight, um, or you're trying to lose weight, it it can be really, really difficult to start initiating that and make that first move because you get into this cycle of not feeling good about yourself. Let's say you're facing subfertility and already that's making you feel down. And then the fact that you're overweight makes you feel down. And then the fact that you don't feel so confident about yourself or feel so good, again, brings your whole energy level down. And it just becomes this very vicious circle Mm. um, of where you start to neglect your own needs Mm. and your own body. And, you know, that that can be very, very detrimental to someone's psyche. So I think that the way... To, to look at exercise is it's it's a really really important part of looking after your body and investing in yourself not just if you're trying to get pregnant but for the future as well mm. okay and you've got to make it fun you've got to do something that will actually make you want to get out of bed and go and do it that will give you that stimulation so whether it is going for a walk and that's one of the simplest things that you can actually do going for a nice brisk walk but you know if it's taking a zumba class if it's going for a jog you know, go and do it and do it. It will feel like a chore at first if you're not used to it, but very soon it will start to become almost quite addictive in a oh, sense yeah. because, you know, and you'll, you get, you'll probably you know, relate you to that. The you do get the, the buzz. You get the endorphins. Yeah. And actually, you know, when I went through my transformative 
experience yeah. um, when we were when we were trying to conceive the first time and um, I recognised mm. that you know the exercise that I was doing was part of what was helping me mm. to feel so good yeah. at yeah. such a difficult time yeah. and I, I couldn't have not had that yeah. and I know that you know again getting on to another topic of how much exercise should you be yeah, doing so I yeah. know that really gentle exercise right like if you're in the middle of treatment gosh yeah i mean definitely look being in the middle of treatment is a, is a little bit separate because of course you're you know you're stimulating your ovaries first of all and they're getting swollen and bigger and you you want to be a bit careful about what you're doing especially you know avoiding anything that's high impact for sure and then of course in the two week wait but outside of that and what i'm referring to is is outside of that area you mm. know to get yourself preconceptionally yeah in the best frame and state that you can mm. i think is 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 a not not just crucial in terms of giving you a better chance of success and improving your own health but also very very important for your emotional mm. well-being and the way aside from selecting something that's enjoyable to you i think you've also just got to set yourself realistic targets something that's realistic for you and what's realistic for you may not be for someone else and that's okay because we've all got different thresholds but you know your idea of realistic might just be 10 minutes a day and that's okay that's absolutely better than nothing and maybe yeah. start off with that mm. but then you'll gradually build up and as you know we're saying here that you do start to get that endorphin rush and you do start to feel really positive about doing it because you start to notice the difference it's yeah. making mm. towards how you feel and how you look mm. and and that in itself is is something that becomes self-perpetuating but yes equally so doing too much exercise mm. you know where you're literally you know running for an hour or two every single day you know that is a lot. something that that again can have a, a a negative impact especially on fertility as well where it starts to upset the the brain the the axis between the brain and the ovaries and and the hormones they're released so you know you just have to everything in moderation mm. and as i say realistic for yourself but never overdo it because you know that that in itself, as I say, can can also have these negative consequences. And by the same token, in terms of exercise, also preparing food and watching what you eat. And you know, autumn's a great time to cook, and you know, preparing food. And you know, whether it's again just for yourself or whether it's for a bigger group of people, it's just a really. I mean, you know, it's what we've been doing this evening. Mm. There's just something so lovely about the 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 happiness that goes into preparing food and being mindful about what you're eating and how you're eating and how you're sharing it mm. and you know essentially understanding that the what we eat is what we build our own bodies with mm. and Absolutely. you know paying paying attention to that not obsessively mm. but where where you do you you enjoy what you eat and you save your what save what you eat and you you know genuinely enjoy chewing on the food and every mouthful and morsel that you take as opposed to eating it quickly and, and being on the go with it it is all about self-nurture and nourishment and nourishment yeah such a hearty word yeah so hearty and um i love learning i, I learned a lot about nutrition and i loved that actually nutrition was about adding more stuff into my mm. diet rather than cutting loads out and mm. I did you know I did reduce processed mm. sugar and all of the kind of stuff that they tell you to get rid of I did at that point yeah. not so great at the moment with my diet have to admit <laughs> so we all need a slide from time we, to time we go up and down <laughs> don't we <laughs> but, we did you know, say we had flaws right we have no means perfect here by the <laughs> way people <laughs> No, but there was a time, for a, um, quite a sustained period of time, where I was I was really into nutrition, and I, yeah. I noticed an amazing yeah. benefit to that, and I did love it. And I'm I'm actually you know learning. I feel like every stage of life you go through, you mm. have to you have to work out how to fit things in. And at the moment, mm. I still feel like I'm working out how to juggle motherhood yeah I was about to say yeah so actually food for me at the moment is something I want to get a handle on again because that has definitely went off the boil the first year that um, my daughter was on the yeah oh my gosh yeah of course the second year and it's beginning to come back but also we're trying to conceive again and I know you know I'm, I'm aware that I need to enhance what I can you know as far as I far as possible 
But anyway, that's probably another conversation. That is another conversation. So, You've got the butternut squash going. Anyway, which, by the way, is very, very good if you're trying to conceive. So, so yeah. It's, well, I'll be just, well same, same time next week then. Butternut so, yeah. squash soup, maybe? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, with some pine nuts on top. Yeah. Why don't we keep coming up with different versions of butternut squash and how many times you can reuse it? You can spiralise it, can't you? you yeah, you can. I love spaghetti. that. I tried that. Yeah. Mm with some salmon it's actually really really good <laughs> but this is the thing about food you know it, it's supposed to actually make you feel this is the thing i think most people get wrong that food is supposed to make you feel energized yeah it's supposed to make you feel great it's not supposed to make you feel drained and sluggish yeah which let's face it how many of us feel at the mm. end of, of a big meal mm. right mm. and it's probably because we're not eating the right foods and we're not combining the the right food groups either and you know that this is something that I everything was spoken about actually in this in this podcast. So that the whole lifestyle approach to it is something that I found so many people ask me about all of the time. And you know what? I decided time the time had come to actually create and dedicate a whole website to it. Yeah. Um, so this is the thing I'm really really excited about. Um, and it's you know it's been an absolute labor of love. And I really there's every single component to it that I hope I've covered in terms of, you know, nutrition and fitness, in terms of all of these different elements that you can bring in. And I genuinely use and give advice on things that I do, things that I prepare at home, exercises that I do that help me and that I think will definitely help other people out there in terms of trying to conceive so it's you know it's do go and check it out if you can it's um w i don't even know my own website <laughs> it's really embarrassing well they can just um, find you on instagram they can find me on dr. instagram Corder. and my website name is drlarissacorder.com there you go nice and simple Fantastic. right so i really really hope people enjoy it and you know it's all of this stuff that we discussed but i also if you've got feedback if you want me to target and create any other things any other videos blog please write in and and tell me because i love feedback i love receiving comments and and i want to create this for the people i want to create this for, for you guys you know that's what it's all about and it's so exciting and i oh. i can't wait to see it i've heard so much about it oh my gosh i can't yeah. wait for you to see it it's, it's really <laughs> exciting and i'm sure it's going to be absolutely fantastic and larissa's got some amazing plans and um so knowledgeable and yeah just go and go and check it out oh um, but it's been you. such a pleasure we could talk for england probably the, all night the combination of us two and can i say i want to actually give thanks to you alice and dedication to you because oh. this woman does incredible incredible things and she never gives her herself any credit for what <laughs> she does and i have to say you know this has been again i talk about labors of love but this has been your labor of love this mm. podcast and everything you're doing in instagram and i think you are phenomenal how you're oh. using your own experience to help to motivate other people and i truly truly mean that alice so you know she she's getting all emotional on me now but i really she didn't know i was going to say this either but i really really mean it you are such an inspiration to so many people and thank you so much for what you are doing and and how you're you're wanting to change the world of fertility for others. So on behalf of myself oh, and everyone else, because I know they feel you. it too. Thank, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you so, so much, everybody, for listening. Um, it's been, it's just, yeah, it's an honour and a privilege to have this platform and yeah. to speak to people at Larissa. Oh, no, I've loved it. Thank you so much for having me on. And I hope everyone enjoys that. And most importantly, goes and has lots of babies from it. Yes. <laughs> exactly let's yeah. go and make babies yes <laughs> see you later bye bye i almost feel like i want to have a notebook and pen whenever i have a chat with larissa because she's got so much knowledge and imparts it so generously that i i don't like to miss something if we're having a chat so <laughs> maybe I should have said that at the beginning of this episode anyway loads of brilliant things coming from Larissa her website will be launched really soon and if you're not following her do go and find her on Instagram and make sure you're following me too this is Alice Rose because I've got lots of really useful stuff coming up as well to really help you cope with the run-up to Christmas and New Year which can be a really hard time for anyone going through this 
infertility business. So do keep your eyes peeled for things that I've got planned. And thank you very much for being here with me. I I really do appreciate it. If you have gained anything from this podcast, if you want to tell people about it, then please do. Any word that can be spread helps other people to find it and helps me to keep making this content for you. So please do go and rate and review on iTunes if that's where you get your podcasts and if not then drop me a line send me a message shout out on on Instagram just share away because the more that I can tell people about this space which is full of such useful content if if I may say so myself Um, there's loads of really great stuff so I really hope that you have gained something from this and I wish you all the love and take very good care Thank you.